Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to How to Eat to Save the Planet, the podcast that takes a comprehensive look at sustainable food production from field to fork. I'll be looking at how we can learn from the past to net zero the way we eat by learning some of the granny skills that have got lost in our shrink-wrapped, consumption-heavy, busy-brained lives. I'm Jilly Smith and I'm on a quest to roll back the years to a time when food came from around the corner, when living off the land meant living lightly on the planet and to find out how to do it now. This week, I'm going local with Isaac Att, one of Brighton's fine dining restaurants where every ingredient on the menu comes from within a 40-mile radius. Well, just about. Fish and meat is the very best thing you can get. Like, you get trenchable beef, Saddleston lamb, they're just exceptional. She's given us a text and we need to pick that up at some point for this year because <laughs> they're almost going to be starting to fall off the tree. So we do a little pre-starter, fresh tomato sort of broth, consomme, a little basil oil from Arundel basil, probably the nicest you can get in Sussex. I want to know if eating hyper-local ingredients occasionally costs me more but the planet less by saving on the carbon footprint of thousands of food miles. And if so, is it one of the answers to climate change? Well, the menu, it sort of changes... All the time. We will take in one week, it'll be sunny, so we have more berries, and then the next week it's raining, so all the berries have gone to mush. Meet George Thomas, one of three mates in their early 20s, who, with Alex Preston, the sommelier, Caspian Armani, and Isaac Bartlett Copeland, co-owns Isaac Act. We look at the menu on a Saturday night, we sort of order things in accordingly, and then it comes in, and then we make it into dishes. Sometimes they'll come in on Tuesday today, and they'll be like, this wasn't available, we've got this instead. And then we just sort of make it work. I joined George and Alex with Cat, Jake and Dong in the kitchen on a late summer morning as they prepped for the evening ahead. You can't plan dishes. It has to be, it's ingredient-led. It's got to be what comes in that makes onto the dish. Like, we'll have like like the beetroot dish at the moment. It's always comprised of beetroots. They're not going anywhere. But then, like, if something, if you can't get the sunflower shoots in, we'll get a different type of leaf in. And then we'll sort of change the garnish, just depending on what comes in. But generally, we just, like... Everything changes all the time. What they do is called hyperlocal by the doctors of spin, but it means low food miles and a relatively small carbon footprint, considering we're talking about livestock with its greenhouse gases from methane emissions. It's usually organic or at least pasture fed, but it's nothing new. Hyperlocal comes from a great culinary tradition stretching way back. But in the story of modern food culture, it began in California, as most food trends did, with Alice Waters, the queen of culinary counterculture. 
Fresh from travelling through Paris and the south of France as a student in 1965, where the touch, feel and smell and sensuality of fresh ingredients inspired a love and respect for provenance, which she called her awakening, Alice created a neighbourhood bistro in Berkeley, California called Chez Panisse, with a choice of just three dishes per course dependent only on the best available organic produce of the day. She would inspire a whole generation of chefs, some of whom, like Sally Clark and Alice Little, brought her ideas to London in the 1980s and set a firework under British food culture. George, Isaac and Alex are in their early 20s and George admits he's never heard of Alice Waters. Her legacy in British food has long since been reduced to a delicious stock, adding depth and flavour to the best restaurants in the UK. So, why is hyperlocal so important to Isaac Cat? So if you want to eat the best Italian food, you might go to Massimo Vettura in Italy. If you want the best French food, you might go to Andecastle and Pic in France. So if you want the best English food, you need to use English ingredients. So we're not going to use lemons, we're not going to use chocolate. Using foodmiles.com to calculate the carbon footprint of lemons from, say, Spain, that's around 790 food miles. Flying in chocolate from Chile would be around 7,250 food miles. That's just over 8,000 food miles avoided by thinking hyperlocal. What we always say is it gives a sense of time and place. And the time is, for instance, summer and the place is Sussex. The place is always the same, realistically. And that's why we want to get everything from Sussex. We just ask everyone what's in and then that sort of defines what's going to be on the menu. Because it's, it's all about the idea that you're in Sussex. Like, the, even from the wine, the wine is the same, the soil is under the channel as it is in And your soft drinks as well. Yeah, exactly. Like all of the drinks are made in England and as local as possible, um, but all the wines in Sussex because it just it makes sense to do it. Like if you're gonna, we've never understood why in even some of the best restaurants in the world they do hyper local, but then they're French wines. Yeah. So it doesn't make much sense to us. So that's why I wanna wanna take everything from within Sussex. I mean, apart from there's a couple of things like the sugar comes from like Peterborough, but I mean it's the only place you can get English sugar, so we kind of called it quits on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much most things are within 40 miles. There's probably a few select things that are sort of going up to about 80 miles, but generally every, all the main stuff is from Sussex. I mean, you might use a little bit of this here, a little bit of that there, but the main thing on the plate is always going to be completely Sussex-based. What about if you were stuck in, I don't know, um, I'm just going through the counties, Kent would be fine, Lincolnshire would be fine, Yorkshire would be fine, Cumbria would be fine. I mean, are we at that point now where actually we can get everything locally and seasonally. I would say that there are some things that are definitely better. I know that in Sussex, fish and meat is the very best thing you can get. Like, you get Trenchmore beef, Saddlescombe lamb, they're just exceptional. It's harder to source chicken, not many people do that. Um, Like, another kind of game birds, you have to be... We're not as on the game bird scene because we're just not as quite as classically trained on that, so we... We try to use mainly the meat and fish side of things. I mean, the fish is as good as it can get. Yeah. In, in Brighton, it doesn't get better. That's just yeah. a given. But then, like, even things like tomatoes, you know, tomatoes in Sussex are great. That's the most southern point of England. Lots of glass houses, really good quality soil for it. And that just helps so much. I mean, there are certain things aren't as good in Sussex, so we don't use them maybe quite as much, but they can still feature on the menu, like, a lot, you know. Yeah. So let's go back to chicken. What do you do about chicken? Because you do have chicken on the menu. According to Compassion and World Farming, happy chickens need outside space and natural light to play, peck, scratch, flap their wings and perch at will. A chicken would naturally live for an average of six years, yet most of the chickens bred for meat in factory farms are grown quickly with the help of growth hormones and last just six weeks. The UK is full of these mega farms. 
Hereford is more than most. According to The Guardian, it's home to more than 16 million factory-farmed animals, mainly poultry. And as a county, it has 88 times more factory-farmed animals than it does humans. Organic chickens, which have outdoor access for at least a third of their lives and are grown slowly, live for 10 to 12 weeks. Chickens from Hereford would have a carbon footprint of about 200 food miles. So we do have, um, we have like supplies from Uckfield um, and we also use Barfield's butchers to sort of source some of our chickens. Um, they're just, I mean, none of, none of it's by any means bad, it never is, but I think if you have the Trenchmore beef up against the, the sort of South End chicken, I think people are always going to go for the beef because it's, it's like, it's one farm, it's generations of people who've been working at something to make it perfect. The chicken, most chicken places in Sussex, for example, will just be where several farms go to a central agency as such and they get distributed. Whereas there's no, there aren't many farms, that, well, that I'm aware of anyway, where um, chickens are grown solely by that family. They only grow chickens, they've done chickens for years and they know the best about it. But you still get you still get really good, and we can still do a lot, have a lot of fun with chickens. Yeah. It's so humble. <laughs> so you say you don't know of a farm that produces, you know, it's it's chickens in the way that you want. How do you find your information? Who do you rely on? I mean, I don't know if most people listening to this would actually know how restaurants work, but most of them rely on their distributors, don't they? They have a relationship with a middle person who buys in the best for them. You don't do that, do you? No. So I mean, the difficulty is finding those farms because most they don't have websites they don't have phone numbers you have to go there and find them so it basically boils down to you have to drive around and find these farmers some of them don't even want to sell to you some of them are not interested in spying restaurants because they think that you just like you just bosh it out and that you just like fry the chicken send it whereas very rarely do you actually find someone that understands that you're an artisan you want to make something really interesting and unique bit and you don't need 400 portions of chicken you just need like 60 portions of chicken a week and that's all we need from them. but that's that's difficult to communicate to people um, and then it's just other than that it's just it's about who you know you just you, you meet one guy's oh well if you try this guy over in um, over in Cowfold he might be better for you if you try this person you try that person then, and it's just networking really you just got to get in with the right people and then uh, people start to like it more, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, those middle people who are the good guys, not saying that the distributors are not, but the butchers, the fishmongers, they are the ones who spend a lot of time going out to the farms as well. What is it that makes you think, right, I'm, I'm going to go with these guys? They're all on the same page. They all want to provide a really good quality product and make it accessible as well. It's not really elitist, it's not really high price, it's just at a reasonable price that you'd expect for the work that's gone into it. Um, like BNFS as well, the fish suppliers... There are lots of fish suppliers right, out New there. New Haven fish yeah. supplies. Yeah, 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 and they're really good because um, Alex and Kia, they're just on the phones all day. So you don't you don't just speak to anyone. You speak to the two guys in charge every time you have a query about fish, yeah. and they know everything about fish. Brighton and New Haven Fish Supplies fleet of 50 vessels fishes along the south coast from Rye to Selsey and gets its quotas from the EU. Place, which Cap is prepping for Isaac Cat's tasting menu, is one of those fish that's available all year round. But how it's caught and where is the key message from the Marine Conservation Society. Download its Good Fish Guide app to check. I did, and Place is from the Eastern Channel, where the stocks are assessed as healthy. And fishing is at a sustainable level of 2 out of 5, which is good. Place from Norway is about 720 miles. From Selsey to Isaac's, it's about 40. It's never a case of just ringing them up and being like, I want the best fish. You've got to like ring them up, you know, like you know work with them a lot a lot of people just send things back all the time just because they want it perfect but that's not how it works here because sometimes if it's been if it's been raining a lot then 
the carrots and potatoes and beetroots they'll be a bit swollen you know if it's been a bit drier then we're going to get you'll get drier vegetables and things so you just have to work with it rather than just constantly send things back and get really upset because if you just get really upset with all your suppliers they won't want to do you favors anyway yeah, and, and yeah. that's not how we do business either Oh, here come the, the supplies. Yeah, uh, the English cucumbers farm. coming in. Here come the aubergines and uh, the celeriac and the Bunch mushrooms. It's like being at Chez Panis. This is Finham Farm. These are, these are probably my favourite supplier that we have um, because essentially what they do is they have a van, they take your order, they deliver on Tuesday and Thursday, they get your orders in by 10 o'clock the previous day. Then today, they'll drive around every single farm that they need to get everything from and then back across Sussex to deliver to everyone who they supply to. So it's, it's labour-intensive for them, but there's no, there's no middlemanning, there's no like, overheads of a warehouse. There's no, the produce is as fresh as it can be. Yeah. It's, it all gets like, picked up that day. Yeah. And they're like, one of the best supplies we have. Wonderful fennel coming in here and beetroot. Wonderful stuff. While this is coming in right now, what are you looking at? What are you seeing in terms of what's going to be on the plate later today? Uh, so we're just looking for... So at the moment, the fennel, we have no idea what we're doing with the fennel. It's, it's coming in for a beef dish, but we don't know what we're going to do with it. So we'll sort of... What Cap and Jake will do is they'll just uh, they'll kind of just look at it, maybe like taste a bit of it raw, cook some of it. They'll pickle it. We'll just quickly get a few things on the go, and then we'll kind of ascertain what's going to be best for the yeah. dish. Cap, can we have your word on that? You're literally taking it in. It's not even 30 seconds through the door. You're picking up the beetroot now. What are you thinking as you're holding them for the first time? I'm thinking they look just as amazing as they always do. Are you thinking, right, well, I've done this particular dish before. These look like the kind of thing that I'm going to do that again. Are you looking? Are you thinking creatively about new recipes? Uh, sure. I mean, you, you kind of constantly think of how you're going to get the best out of everything. But I, I try and leave the... Uh, the romanticism to, to George. I look, I look at this and I think, Christ, we need to get this in the oven. It's a little bit, it's a little bit late in the day. <laughs> a little bit of sweat on his brow. Oh, what have these that have just appeared? These are lovely breads. I have um, to say, I love your bread. What on earth do you do with that that makes it just so incredibly Moorish? It's, it's not a traditional bread. We make it from start to finish in about two hours. Um, it's just treacle stout. Um, we use a milk stout, um, which works quite well for fermenting. Uh, mix that with treacle, in with the flour, use heritage grains from Trenchmore Farm, which is like an old type of grain that you don't get much yield out of, but you get like you get 70% less yield, but I'd probably say 70% more flavour. Yeah. Um, and that's what it gives that really nice wholemeal flavour. Not just like brown flavour, like wholemeal flavour. And then um, and then that just gets kneaded really, really hard for not too long into the moulds, rise, turn out, rise again, and then baked in a very hot oven. And then It'll kind of, and then when when the guests come in, it gets rebaked again for about ten minutes, and then it gets that crust, and then sat down. It butter. is utterly sensational. Let's go back to the lamb. Saddleston Farms lambs live outside all their lives and eat nothing but grass. They live from about 12 weeks to a year before heading off for slaughter at the local abattoir, which is about 10 minutes down the road. And we need them. They're a massive part of the conservation of the South Downs by grazing and fertilising a huge area of natural beauty. Their munching keeps the grass down and enables photosynthesis by letting the light in to grow wildflowers that attract the bees and the butterflies we need for biodiversity. Although their methane emissions contribute to greenhouse gases, their natural ablutions keep the soil fertile, creating an underground world of microbes and insects, which captures carbon, albeit for a limited amount of time. According to foodmiles.com, 
Land from New Zealand will be 11,700 food miles. Saddlescombe Farm to Isaacs is just eight miles. Animals that live happier lives just taste better. Like it, it's it's not there's no there's no question about it. If if the more effort that you put in to any ingredient, living or plant or whatever, any point, the more effort you put into it, the better it comes out. And that's something that we've we're focusing a lot more on. I would say like sometimes you get people, sometimes you get produce that is really good, but it's not very. Um, it's not sourced very well. Whereas with uh, with meat, you want you want to go to the farm, see it be alive, and go for the process. That's what we did. Saddlescombe. I went up there a couple of times and just like had a look at it all. It's just like two people and a few helpers. But there's a lot of animals. Um, I missed out on the lambing day. <laughs> there was a bullet dodge. That's why I. That's why I kind of think that sometimes it's a bit better um, around like Sussex because we just know we know how to grow beef. We know how to grow sort of raise lamb and they need that space there's farmers who have generation old farms they just know how to treat it a lot better and it comes out invariably better and that's why I think the chicken's not quite as good yeah now in terms of high welfare beef it is down to the marbling isn't it it's about to the fat content and that is about what you feed it Trenchmore Farm's 28-day dry-aged beef is a favourite amongst Brighton's top chefs and that's because of its extreme high welfare the cows munch on grass most of the year until the heavy clay soil brings them in when the rains make it impossible to live outside. Winters are spent in an award-winning designed roundhouse. Apparently cows don't like straight lines. They're fed a diet of homegrown silage with treats of leftover linseed cake from the farm's oil pressing, brewer's grain from the local craft brewery and apple pomace from the farm's cider production, all of which would otherwise go to waste. Factory farmed cows are often kept in stalls and are slaughtered at one to two years old. Trenchmore farm beef cattle live to around three years. Trenchmore to Isaacs, about 18 miles. For you, when you're looking at beef, take us through what the meat needs to be for you. So lots of people think that like fat is bad, but if you look back across history, animals used to be a lot fattier. That's why we had to do we had to work harder to cook them because they have more fat on them. So People now don't really understand marbling, like you say, it's the inter it's the tiny bits of fat between the muscle fibres and that keeps it moist when you're cooking it. So you always want the good marbling. Like you can even really good quality fillet steak can have a very fine amount of marbling through it, and it's delicious. But um, and it needs that. Otherwise you just have really unsatisfying meat and it'll always go dry and you'll always have, leave yourself thinking it could have been better. Um, people often look for the marbling should be a off-white, shouldn't be... A clean white is weird, that's not good. Like, should have a slight yellowish tinge to it. The meat needs to be very dark, dry as possible. Red meat just needs to be very, very dry, because if it's wet, it's still got blood in it. If it's got blood, the blood goes off. If the blood goes off, you've got spoiled meat. So, it's all about... Like, we use the Denver cut, which is like a giant ribeye under the shoulder blades. And that has a... That's about 20% marbling. It's, like, it's fantastic. The other one we use is flat iron, cut from the belly... And that has a that has a bit more of a sinew going on along one side, but again, lots of deep marbling going all the way through it. Um, that's why we don't really use fillet steak, you know, because I don't think it's it's great for like tartar. It's great for all those things, but the muscle fibers are very soft. There's not much flavor in them. The denser the muscle fiber, the more that muscle had to work, the the more intense the flavor is. Like cheek, that's why everyone loves cheeks because. Dent, they do a lot of eating, <laughs> so that's the densest muscle fiber. It's got the most amount of flavor. You just need to be, you just need to know how to cook it. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Tasting menus are a great opportunity for young chefs to show off their skills and to inspire their customers to really understand more about what's on their plate. Cheek. Cheek. So there's only really two things that really affect um, meat in terms of how soft and stuff is. It's temperature and fat content. So... Cheeks don't actually, they've quite a lot of sinew, but not much fat, so I would render some beef fat down for a start. And then we'd probably sous vide it, probably get a back fat bag uh, somewhere. How would you do that at home? Everybody talks about sous vide in the kitchen, but you can actually replicate that process, can't you? You can, yeah, you can definitely do it. So if you were going to, so if you go do a wall bath at home, Alex has got this great method where um, you get a zip bag and you sort of submerge the thing, put the thing in the bag, put it in water, and then the water will push the air out. And then you can put it up to the seal and then see it shut. And then you've got a makeshift fat fat bag. Then there's two things you could do. You could buy a uh, you could buy a portable water bath, which costs about 120 quid from Nisbet's, or you could just bring a pan of water up to a simmer, stick a temperature probe in there. You can also buy one of those in Nisbet's. And then as long as it's on, if you were slow cooking like a cheek at home, as long as it's above 75 degrees but below 90, you're you're in a good place. So in your backpack. Yeah, so it would just be in water with this a pan of simmering water that you turn off, and then you put the probe in there, it's on 80 degrees, and then you just put the cheek in there and then leave that. So it's got the rendered beef fat in there. You put some aromats in there, like thyme, rosemary, if you really want, or um, a bit of marmite, just to really add to the umami sort of factor. Uh, and then and then just leave that for, a, I mean, anywhere. You could, do it, you could do it first thing in the morning at 9 o'clock, and then, and then 12 hours would be sufficient. Um... You could, but you could. The lower you go, the lower the temperature, the longer you cook it for. Right. So you, you could go. You probably go as low as seventy degrees mm. and do it for like twenty-four hours. Quite difficult to do at home. I yeah. suppose. Or, or you could put it in a. You could take the, the said backpack bag in a container of water in the oven if you've got a good oven, and then turn the oven down to eighty degrees, and then just leave that for about. I don't know. You could leave it in there for twenty-four hours, and then that would. And then once you. And then once you. Te- the really, really important thing is though. So you take the meat out. You've got to let it cool down. Because if you um, if you if you try and open it up when it's hot, it's a bit like when you 
roast a steak, it'll, all the juice will just come out and it won't reabsorb. Whereas if you leave it to cool in the bag, the juices will come out and then it'll reabsorb some of those juices and that fat and it'll become more delicious. And then you can do everyone from it. You could you could mix it with like some eggs and flour into like a kind of burger. You could just serve it as is with like some crispy beef tendon or something crispy on top of it. You could like... There's, there's a lot of different directions you can go from there. But that would be the base way to do it. Low and slow, rendered beef fat in a makeshift bag. Sounds absolutely delicious. And I have to say, the, the smells that are coming out of this kitchen, I'm finding it very difficult to concentrate. What have we got on tonight? So tonight's tasting menu will have... So we do a little pre-starter, fresh tomato sort of broth, consomme, with a little basil oil from Arundel basil. It's probably the nicest you can get in Sussex. Uh, then we're doing an acely beetroot dish with salt-baked beetroots. The ones we saw earlier, they'll be salt-baked. We'll, like, pickle the stems. We'll uh, make a little ketchup, have all the remaining stuff. And then we serve that with, like, a, a slipcoat cheese, which would be, like, a soft feta, a little bit of salt in there. And some fresh horseradish just grated vigorously over it. So it's, like, beetroot and horseradish, classic combo. Yeah. And the cheese just liaises the two together. Uh, then to follow, we'll be doing... We do, like, a cold smoked haddock dish with... Uh, nasturtium and cucumber uh, the local cucumbers over there they're really good uh, then following on from that really simple it's just like a baby place that's just been cooked in um, a little bit of seaweed not seaweed butter um, a little bit of a parsley butter and that's like a, an homage to a little fish market <laughs> we had that dish something very similar not too long ago yeah, very nice one of Brighton's best restaurants yeah definitely <laughs> um, and then we just finish off the trench more beef We've got a little shallot and uh, shallot puree, pickled shallots and some lettuce, and that's and then we're gonna the shallots going out, so we're gonna bring the fennel. The fennel's gonna get involved. We don't actually know yet. We're gonna find that out today. Tomatoes from Bulbara, eighteen miles. Basil from Arundel, nine miles. Beetroot from Angering, twenty-eight miles. Slipcoat cheese from the High Wheel Dairy, fourteen miles. Horseradish, locally foraged by the team, zero food miles. Haddock and place from Hove Lagoon, just along the seafront. Mustachium, grown at home. Zero food miles. Lettuce and cucumber from Chichester, 28 miles. Parsley from Little Wallstead, 13 miles. Trenchmore beef from Trenchmore Farm, 18 miles. Shallots from Littlehampton, 18 miles. Fennel from Henfield, 9 miles. I still want to know what you're going to do with the fennel. Who's got any ideas about these fennel? Come on, Jay. Come on, what are you going to do with the fennel? I'd probably say refresh it in some ice cold water so it gets really nice and crisp and then maybe like have some sort of acidic dressing on it. Like what? Um, Like a basic sort of vinaigrette. Nice aroma in there, lots of acidity. So yeah, because you don't want too much like rich stuff to go alongside the beef. What are you cooking there, Cap? Uh, I'm just uh, prepping the place out the back there. So. And what do you do with the place? So we're just taking out the uh, centre bone, and we're going to meat glue the two fillets together, so it makes it a little bit thicker. And then uh, you have a nice peak piece of uh, place all along the plate, and then we're going to finish it with the parsley butter sauce. Dong, you've done your, your beetroot. Just talk me through it. Salt baked? Uh, yes, we salt bake it for like uh, four to six hours. And then we take them out, cool them down a little bit, and then basically we just use the spoon to peel the, the skin out of it, and then slide it really thinly, and then the shred on the place as it is. Fantastic. Saltiness. You're, you're still at Catering College, yeah? Yes, I am. How much do they teach you about hyperlocality? Oh, they teach me a lot. It's and the I, thing. Yes, it's the thing. I learn a lot of stuff in here rather than in college, really. Uh, in here, everyone not, not just teach me how to cook. They also teach me how to cope with like busy situation and everything. Yeah. And yeah, and how to be a good person as well. Yeah, so, yeah. good stuff. Excellent. Alex, I'm coming over to the, the, the drink section. Sommelier Alex Preston is the youngest of the three co-owners at just 23. With the southeast proving to be a bit of a wine destination, he is filling his boots. How 
important is it to pair local wines, local soft drinks even, with what the guys are preparing in the kitchen? When I joined the team here, I absolutely knew nothing about English wine outside of the fact that there was like Ridgeview, uh, Night Timber, and because I drove past it a couple of times, Balney. So once I joined the team, I spent about two months just learning everything, just getting training my brain to focus on the local ingredients more and think, okay, so when I'm trying a New Zealand Sauvignon, it's not like, oh, I get peach and everything like that. It's, oh, that tastes very familiar to sort of Bacchus and what that does here in the UK. So sort of training my brain to focus from the local area and sort of extrapolate that again. Mm. So then when it came to pairing with the different courses, it's like quite easy because like when you get the local seafood in, like the the cured haddock dish that we've got on at the moment, uh, it's just... You just want something with a nice bit of minerality and nice sharpness. And the English wine, personally, I find would actually fit that dish better than something that you get in anyways. So the haddock at the moment, the Hidden Spring Bacchus, that's a really good one. Uh, so Hidden Springs, based near Horham Way. Uh, the Bacchus is a 2017 vintage one that they do. Uh, oak barrelling for about half of it, maybe half, maybe a third. Uh, and then that just adds another sort of texture, depth of flavour to it. Uh, and yeah the, it's just it's all from the previous year but they held it back because they wanted to age it and see what would happen when they did that rather than keep it f- super super fresh mm-hmm. and it when it came to the national what gb wine awards it ended up winning a silver so the highest rated one out of all the wines that they submitted bolney estate near haywards heath 30 miles night timber near west chaltington 22 miles ridgeview estate in ditchling 12 miles. Hidden Spring in Heathfield, 26 miles. Brighton Gin, just down the seafront. In terms of soft drinks, you also do that. I mean, you've served yeah. apple juice from Isaac's Mum's Garden last yes, year when you is, couldn't get me. That is actually, she's given us a text and we need to pick that up at some point for this year because <laughs> they're almost going to be starting to fall off the tree. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the local soft drinks, they've come leaps and bounds like Wildflower, it's a mother and her daughters, they get loads of forage ingredients and then it's like they do a slow juice, an elderflower, a crab, apple and blackberry. They're just absolutely amazing. They're not sweet. They've got more of a savoury side to them, so they just fit really well into courses. And then when it comes to apple juice outside of the everything that we get from Jill, uh, Wobblegate, they've just got a fantastic selection of what they do over there, and then their ciders are absolutely amazing as well. Yeah. I mean, hyper-locality for you guys, as I said to George... It's easy because you've got amazing produce. And the upshot of what you're doing is that it is encouraging better producers. I mean, you know, it is incumbent upon good restaurants to encourage the local food economy to grow on all levels. You're supporting the local farmers, you're supporting the local producers. So four years in, I mean, you've done a fantastic job. How does it feel? Um, It's just about just keep refining the concept, keep finding new suppliers, keep innovating and just keep looking for more flavours. It's quite easy, I think, for a lot of people to get quite content at this stage because we're stable, but we just want to keep going, really, and just see how far we can get. Alex, you've done a fantastic job bringing all these wines together. Are there more to find? There's so much more in Sussex for us to find. There's, like, 70 different vineyards uh, that we... And we barely even scratch the surface on what's even in the local area. And I'm very glad that there's no, like, outside investor telling us what to do because it'd be very easy at this point for someone to come in and say, "Okay, stop what you're doing. But because it's only owned by George, Isaac and myself, we can just choose what we want to do. And it doesn't matter if at the end of the day that particular thing doesn't make money because it's helping us build a bigger network of people that we can then work on and build with into the future. And then that's just constantly going to help keep pushing the concept to make 
the wine selection, the food, the drinks, everything so much better. Alice Waters and her disciples who revolutionised food culture in the 70s and 80s probably had no idea that sourcing locally could save the planet. But 50 years on, our decadent, selfish over-consumption of products whose provenance we have no interest is ruining the planet. Scientists call it the sixth great mass extinction of species on Earth, or the Anthropocene. It's a new phase of planetary history in which human beings have become the driving force in the future of the Earth. But we're also in the middle of a revolution. We're eating less but better meat, with flexitarianism and veganism rising exponentially. Increasingly, British restaurants, particularly those rated by the Sustainable Restaurant Association, are becoming safe spaces where we can trust the provenance and enjoy the feast. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, hit subscribe, add it to your favourites, leave a comment and share wherever you can. And we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.